morning, Lake House Church. This is the day the Lord has made. There we go. We started off a little slow there, but we ended really good. So that's awesome. Well, we are officially in the Christmas season. And I'm um, starting my Christmas series today. And as Kristen told you, we have already worked on our Christmas tree. It was up before Thanksgiving. In fact, yesterday, Austin and I, I'm teaching him everything I know about exterior illumination. And we actually went out and worked on the yard yesterday. It was a beautiful day. In fact, Austin, do we have a video of that that we could show the people real quick? It's just something we threw together real fast. Just thought you'd like to see the labor of our hard work. Nope. <laughs> we only had one day to work on this, so just give us that now. must have been the wrong video of our house, but no. <laughs> Actually, that is the Holdmans. They live in uh, Park Grove, Utah. And every, every year, thousands of people go by for a 15 to 20 minute light show. And I'm going to talk to you today about being wired for light. Now, I would love for you to, to really, that for really to have been my house, okay? But I'm going to tell you the reasons why that wasn't my house. One, I don't have the knowledge to do that. Second, I don't have the ability to do that. Third, I really don't have the resources to do that. Fourth, I don't have the time to do that. But probably most importantly is I don't have the passion to do that. Okay? When we, the, probably when you look at this, my house is not wired to do that. If you go and you check out the Holdmans of Pleasant Grove, Utah, there's also a tutorial and they show that they have 22 dedicated outlets and each outlet will handle 20 amps. 
their whole light show will pull 470 amps, but they can't produce that much power. They can only produce 300 amps of power, so they cannot turn everything on all at the same time. So they synchronize what comes on and what goes off. So you're probably not running a microwave oven when you're having the light show go on in the evening. They've got everything <laughs> planned down and scheduled, what they can and can't do. What the Holdmans did, though, is they light up the sky and it's beautiful. It really is. I mean, that was, I just wanted to start off the Christmas season with something a little bit just fun and festive. But I want to talk to you about a night when God lit up the skies. And it's a very familiar passage. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke, the second chapter. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 14. And this is what the Word of God tells us. It says, shepherds were in the fields near Bethlehem, and they were taking turns watching their flock during the night. An angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord filled the area with light, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, I have good news for you. A message that will, uh, that will fill everyone with joy. Verse 11. Today, your Savior, Christ, this, the Lord, was born in David's city. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find an infant wrapped in stripes of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a large army of angels appeared with the angel, and they were praising God by saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those who have his good will. Now, 2,000 years ago, Thousands of angels filled the sky. Thousands of angels, maybe thousands of thousands of thousands of angels filled the sky, completely lit up the sky, all singing glory to God to make a very simple announcement, to make a very simple announcement that our Savior was born. The next passage I'm going to read to you is in Luke chapter 1. We're going back a little ways now, the previous chapter. And this is where the angel is talking to Mary about the purpose of Jesus' life. In Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, it tells us this. And he will be a great man and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Your son will be king of Jacob's people forever. And his kingdom, his kingdom will Amen. never end. Amen. So we know that the reason Jesus was sent was to have a kingdom and that it will never end. What is that kingdom? Who is that kingdom? Where, where is his kingdom right now? Well, I'm glad you asked that because in the Colossians, I've got some answers for you. We are to be his kingdom, the body, the church. Okay, in Colossians 1.18 it says, He is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, the first to come back to life so that he would have first place in everything. Really incredible passage there because you see at the very end it said, He is to have first place yeah. in everything. So who are the subjects of that kingdom? That would be us. Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14 says, God has rescued us from the power of darkness. Can I get an amen from somebody who was in darkness before Christ came into their life? Amen. All of us were not born in the church, raised in the church, lived a church-like life. All of us were in the gutter. I mean, of sin. That's right. Drug addiction, alcoholism. 
So when you read a passage, God has rescued us from the power of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his son. There's the word kingdom again. Whom he loves. His son paid the price to free us, which means that our sins are forgiven. Amen? Our sins are forgiven. This kingdom was so important that when God made this announcement, when God made this announcement, he lit up the sky with angels. It's really interesting because every year at Christmas time we get so involved in the activities of, of Christmas that sometimes we overlook the very basic message. The question I want to ask you is, are we wired? Are we wired? Are we ready? Are we capable of shining the light of Christ? You see... I, I don't really get too serious about my, my wiring at my house because my decorations at my home are very minimal. I have a festive spirit, but it doesn't consume my time, my life. But sometimes we have that same approach when it comes to our relationship with Christ. We have a very half-hearted relationship with Him. You know, as you drive down any street, pretty much starting this week on, there will be some streets that are completely dark. And, you know, I, I, I love the person who puts a red or green light bulb in their porch light. You know, I mean, that's about as minimal as you can get on the outside. It's like, oh, I noticed the green light bulb. But then when they keep it in through March, April, May, it kind of loses its effect, you know. But that's about as minimal as you can get. I'm going to change the light bulb. Well, we do more decorating on the inside. We don't really want to show things on the outside. Hmm. Think about this. Think about this, okay? Then you come on some of the houses, kind of like ours, where there's a, there's a, a good effort, and you'd have to give me a, a C-plus just for, for time and energy, and there was some money spent. I, I spent some money at Lowe's yesterday, and I'm buying lights and extension cords. Then, <laughs> every once in a while, you come upon the houses that are just, have you, do you know what I'm talking about? The ones that are decked out, kind of similar to this. It may be interlocking area if you've never driven through. There's some certain ones that, as a family, we try to always go get some hot chocolate, and we go look at these specific houses throughout Arlington because they have so much passion. They have so much time and commitment into them. They literally light up their neighborhood. And it's not something that they can just plug into the one or two. I have two outlets on, on the outside of my house. And man, I got cords and all the extensions and everything. But I don't go into having 20 new amps put in and having all of this prepared. But they did. Why do they do it? Because it's a passion to them. Anything you're passionate about, you're going to spend time, energy, resources to complete it and it's the same in our walk with Christ if Christ is just something that we do on Sunday mornings then we're the equivalent of just putting in that little porch light in our life saying hey yeah I'm a Christian yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if anybody asks we don't want to you know we don't want to we don't want to upset anybody at our workplace because we're a very politically correct workplace so we say happy holidays we don't want to offend anybody. It's generic. We are the light of Christ in this world. We are the light of Christ in this world. And there is darkness if we're not there. And some of us might be the darkest house on our street. And I'm not talking about exterior illumination anymore. I'm talking about our lives. 
Luke 14, 27 tells me, so those who do not carry their crosses and follow me cannot be my disciples. What this is telling me is I cannot have a half-hearted relationship with Christ. That, that's, that's hardcore right there. Because, you know what, I can't have a half-hearted relationship with my wife, Kristen. Or she'll say, you know what, something's going on here. There, there's, what's going on? Why are you spending time with me? Why, why are we not ever talking anymore? Is that what we do with Christ? Especially when it gets busy in the holidays? You know, we have Black Friday shopping. We've got decorations. We've got family coming. We've got cooking. I've got a gift wrap. I've got to do all this. Are we telling Christ, I'm just a little too busy right now to talk to you? And yet, this is what we're celebrating. This is what we're wired for. This is what we're to proclaim. When I decorate my house, I, I put some effort into it. But it's not my passion. Christ is my passion. Now, if you do drive past my house, I do have a sign that says, Jesus is the reason for the season. Because we have to keep the main thing the main thing. There are so many things that will try to become your main thing. It could be your job. It could be your family. It could be a relationship. It could be an addiction to something. It could be Candy Crush. It could be a lot of things out there that can become your main thing if you don't protect yourselves. Oh, that'll never happen to me. Famous last words of a lot of people. Famous last words of a lot of people who probably had more knowledge of the Word of God than you do. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's what Jesus is telling us here. He wants us to be followers. He needs to be important in our life. He needs our time daily. So how do I prepare myself for wiring this Christmas? I'm glad you asked that question. How do I prepare? And so let's go to the Word of God, because you don't need Mark's opinion. You need the Word of God's opinion in everything that's ever preached from this pulpit. Let's take a look. Because people were walking up to John the Baptist and they were asking him a question. What should we do? You know what that question really was saying is, how do I rewire my life for the message that I'm hearing from you? What do I need to do to have this relationship? And he's telling them in Luke 3.8. This is what John the Baptist tells the people that are coming to him. Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and you have turned to God. Amen. You know what he was also telling the people? If you read on, he was saying, you know what? If you have two tunics or if you have two shirts, give one away to somebody who doesn't have it. If you have food and you have enough, give to those who are hungry. Then he turns to the tax collectors and he says, you know what? Don't cheat the people. Then he looks to the soldiers and he said, you know what? Don't misuse the power that's been given to you. Don't oppress the people. This was the message that was being preached. And what John the Baptist is telling them was that we have to consider others more important than ourselves. Christ has to become more important in our lives. Remember last week I told you a very, very simple little thing that I learned as a child, and it was called joy. Do you all remember that? Joy spells Jesus, others, and yourself. That's the way that we are to live our lives. 
Jesus must become number one in our lives. Jesus must become number one in our lives. Then others, how can I bless someone today? What can I do for someone today that would encourage them? What word can I give to someone else? And then guess what's last on the list? Ourselves. But unfortunately in today's me or I mentality, we're up there. And then there's a few other things, and then there's others way down there. And possibly Jesus is at the bottom of our list. We need to rewire ourselves. The way we think, the way we're programmed, because our society is programming for a me-only society. A me-only society. I read yesterday in the news that we have the level of mistrust among Americans is the highest it's ever been in recorded history. And I read that fact and I was thinking, the level of mistrust is the highest we've ever recorded in our history. People don't trust anybody anymore. People don't. If, if, if you don't believe me, go try to buy something and see all, for example, my brother-in-law is a property management owner and he has all these houses that he manages for people. His grandfather was a property manager owner. And during Thanksgiving, we got on this topic, he goes, you know what? I got a copy of my grandfather's property management and it was four pages long. His today is 18 and a half pages long. 18 and a half pages just to rent a house because they're so concerned, they don't trust you. This is going to show this, this, this is going to happen, this, this is what's going to happen here. Everything has to be spelled out because a handshake is no longer worthy of what it used to be. And yet, we have in the Bible where it's, Jesus is telling in Matthew 7, 12, for us to do and treat others the way that we need to be treated, also known as the golden rule. And this idea of treating others the way that we wanted to be treated is at the heart of being a disciple of Christ. In fact, Jesus drove this point home when he was talking to his disciples in Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. And Jesus called his apostles and said, You know that the rulers of nations have absolute power over people. And their officials have absolute authority over people. But this is not the way it's going to be among you. Whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be the most important among you will be your slave. It's the same way with the Son of Man. He did not come so that others could serve him. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What Jesus is saying here is to say, you know what, to be a part of my kingdom, you're going to need to rewire yourself because we are born with a wiring of sin that says, you know what, me, 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 I, 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 I'm the most important. How I feel determines how I want to do. Do I want to go to church today? I don't know. Maybe thinking, I'm going to go to church now here's a really novel idea. And I'm going to invite some of my friends to go to church. Do you see the rewiring? Before, it was just about us. Do we feel like going to church? I don't know. Coffee's been pretty good lately. Mark's been finishing up a few minutes before 12. It's not too bad. And I feel like it. That's a me mentality. Thinking, God, 
is there anybody in my life that needs to hear a message of hope? Is there anybody in my life? For our youth, is there any of my friends that need to go and, and get to know Austin so they could hear the word of God and what we're trying to do in the youth? That is rewiring ourselves to have a different perspective in life. Putting others first. The church, we try to help you do those things, putting others first. We do a food drive to encourage you every week. When you're out buying groceries, get some extra groceries so that we can give them to the food bank, so we can give them to the hungry, so that we can share them. Boxes of rice, cereal, things that will last, macaroni and cheese. And each week we have to remind you, please do this because you know what? It's about others. It's about the way that we can be a blessing to our community. We've asked for you to do shoeboxes for, for children that are in foreign countries that you will never get thanks for. They'll never, you'll probably never get a postcard from some child saying that you, you made their entire year by what you put in a little shoebox. But we have to stop thinking always about ourselves and have to rewire ourselves so that we are the light of Christ, so that we can truly be a light to those who are in darkness. In Mark 10, there's a story of the rich young man who comes to Jesus. And he asks the exact same question that they asked John the Baptist. What must I do? Mark tells, as you're reading in this, that says that Jesus looked at the man and loved him. Have you ever looked at somebody just with so much love that they know that you love them because of the way that you've looked at them? A compassionate look, a caring look. You're not just, you don't have my attention for a tenth of a second. You know, we don't do that a lot. Have you noticed that even in society, we, we make very little eye contact? Well, mostly because we're on our phones the whole time, right? I mean, that, that makes it very convenient. You could go and, and not see anybody at the store, but to make eye contact, to smile at them. You want me to smile at strangers? Yes. If you have joy inside of you, why don't you share it? Why don't you at least make them think, what does that person have that I don't have? Or what do they know that I don't know? Or is my zipper down and they noticed it? Why don't you just confuse the people and smile at them? Be happy. Don't be grumpy like everyone else. So Jesus knows this man's heart. And he comes to Jesus and he says, I'm going to show you something you may not have ever seen about this passage before. Okay? Because a lot of you are like, I know this passage. So I always try to bring something in a little differently. He says, what must I know? And Jesus knows his heart. So what does Jesus do in his response? He starts reciting the Ten Commandments, right? Mark 10, 19. He says, you know the commandments. Never murder, never commit adultery, never steal, never give false testimony, never cheat, honor your father and mother. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us that Jesus deliberately left out the last commandment. Do you know what the last commandment is? This isn't a test. Do you all remember the commandments? Exodus 20 verse 17 says, Thou shalt not covet. Jesus knew the problem in that young man's heart. He knew the problem in that man's heart. And he gives him a commandment that is not recorded anywhere else. Mark 10, 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He told him, you're still missing one thing. Sell everything you have. Give the money to the poor. 
and then you will have treasure in heaven and then follow me. Wow. Why didn't Jesus just say, thou shalt not covet? You know why? Because he brought this thing home and says, here, this is what you need to do. Just so that you, you don't miss the obvious, go sell everything. Everything that's a God to you, because you can't follow me and follow all the things of this world. That was really right up in his face. And the next verse says in Mark 10, 22, and when the man heard that, he looked unhappy. I don't know why that makes me laugh, but it just, <laughs> you could just see his facial expression go, because like, I'm having this one-on-one -on -one with Jesus, I'm going to get the 411 on eternal life. Oh. And he went away sad because he owned a lot of property. You see, this man loves something more than he could love Jesus. That man loved something more than Jesus. And Jesus knew it right away and went right to the point in the issue. If you're going to prepare for Christmas, Jesus can't take second place in our life. Amen. Jesus cannot take second place in our lives. Oh, but I haven't replaced him. How much time have you spent with him this week? Oh, I haven't replaced him. How many people have you told about your relationship with him? I haven't replaced Jesus Christ. How many people have you brought to church? I haven't replaced. How much money have you given to total strangers because God told you to give somebody? You see, what you are passionate about, you're going to pour into. Your time, your energy, your resources, your zeal. Have you ever talked to a real car buff? They love cars. Have you ever talked to somebody who can tell you every sporting event that's happened over the last 150 years and who won the 1938 World Series and who was this pitcher for this? Why? Because they're passionate about what they know. If you love anything more than Christ, Christmas will not mean anything to you. Jesus must be my king. Jesus must be my Lord. Jesus must be my highest priority. And if we're going to have that, we have to be properly wired for it. Kristen mentioned that we put our tree up. And if you come to our house, you're going to see this tree. We've had this tree now for seven years-ish. And uh, last year I noticed that there were certain sections of this tree that weren't lighting up. So you know what my brilliant idea was? You turn that part to the back of the house, right? I mean, no, come on, haven't we all done that? Well, it started that we got more sections of the tree not working than we had walls of the house. <laughs> so being a man of faith, I get this out of storage, and I'm like, God, thank you that this tree is going to light, because it's a pre-lit tree. And I plug it in, and there's sections out. And there were probably more sections out and lit. And I know I, that's not going to sail. You know, I was like, let's go with an abstract tree. It's kind of, you know, light and dark and it'll be the story of Christ. And no, that's not going to work at all. I think there's 1,200 lights on this tree. 1,200 lights that somebody in North Korea took and put a zip line or a clip on every one of them. 
my hands are still scratched up. And as a family, if you'd come by and drove past with our garage doors up, you'd see a whole family around each section of the tree taking each light off and putting a new light strand on. With the intelligence of buying a strand that says if one bulb goes out, the rest stay on. Yes. <laughs> see, that was old school. One went out, the whole strand went out. You remember those? And then you tested them. But you know, our lives are kind of like that tree. There are sections of our lives that are dark, that we haven't given over to Christ. There's a little bit of unforgiveness over here, a little bitterness, a little resentment about something that was said or done that we've never dealt with. There might be a little envy over here. We've always wanted a better house. We've always wanted a nicer car. We've always wanted more money. We've wanted to be married to somebody who was making more money. And if we were really lights, you'd see maybe some dark sections in us that those strands need to be replaced. They need to be pulled out, removed, and new light brought in. And that light is Jesus Christ. That light takes all of my sin that I have performed in the past and removes it and brings a white cleanliness. When the word of God says, come, let us reason together, though our sins made us, we're, scar we're, we're like white as snow. And if you've ever seen a beautiful snow, when it first falls, there's nothing prettier. So how do we get rid of the, the bad wiring in our lives? We ask for forgiveness, and we ask for Christ to come into our lives. And we'll know that we're wired for Christ if we live our lives for others. If we truly love others. I'm not talking about the people that we have to love. We have to love our family. That's kind of a given. But I'm talking about strangers, people, work, uh, work fellow workers, or, or people at our school, or, or people in our neighborhood. Do we love them? Do we love people? I mean, it's just a very simple question. Do we love people? And I'm not talking about the people you have to love. Do we love people? Because that's how you'll know if you are wired for Christ to truly shine through you. You see, when we're driving around this holiday season now, and you see one of those houses that are totally decked out, I want you to think of them like, that's the way I want to live my life. I don't want to be just the green light bulb that somebody might know that I'm a Christian because once they saw something on my desk at work, I want them to know that, hey, you're that house over there that totally decks out. I want them to know, hey, you're that Christian that, that prays for our country, that prays for our nation, that prays and believes in healing, that prays and, and, and believes that people can come to know Christ. Yeah, I want to be that radical Christian. And you know what our definition of a radical Christian is? Somebody who does something more than what we think we should be doing. Oh, I would never do that. I would never pray in public. That's, that's fanatical. Then I'm a fanatic. But I'd rather be a fanatic for Christ than anything in this world. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. I pray that this message made sense to you.
And right now, as we're about to pray, that it, you might just be saying, God, is there any area of my life that's dark that you should be shining through? Is there any of that resentment that, that Mark mentioned about? Is there any unforgiveness, any bitterness? Is there any habits that I know are mispleasing to you? Habits I know that are killing me or killing relationships or killing my finances that I need to lay on the cross because I can't do it myself. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit gives us strength in those areas of weakness. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. We need salvation. I'm going to lead you all in a very simple prayer. And if there's been some areas in your life that God's revealed to you during this message, why don't you just confess it to God right now? Do a little inventory of your life. See, you know what? I haven't been living right. I haven't been giving you the time. You haven't been first place in my life. And you know what? You know what's first place in your life. I can't tell you what it is, but you know. You know exactly what's been taking first place of your time, what's been taking first place of your resources, what you're giving your money to, what you're giving your, your uh, uh, even casual time. You know what that is. And Christ can't be second. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Rewire my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I now confess that Jesus Christ is my Savior and I am saved. Amen. This series, we're going to be talking about lights at Christmas time. Thought it'd be a little interesting twist since many of you know the Christmas story. But anytime I can get you to go into that story and look at it differently, or look at a house differently and think, I want to be that type of a Christian. And you know what? I think this week some of you will drive past somebody who just has that green or red porch bulb light and think, that's not the way I want to live my life. I want to love others. I want Christ to love others through me. I want to serve. I want to give. I want to bring people into that same relationship I have with Christ. If you think about it, pretty much every one of you are in church because somebody invited you. Somebody brought you to church. Should we not do that for others that we have in our world? I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. So if you please stand. Hey, Austin. <laughs> we ended real early. Let's go ahead and play that second video real quick, okay? Can you get it ready? So may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. If you'll be seated just for...